Room's starting to fill out a little bit more now with some with a team three coming back. So I want to welcome you guys officially from myself. I know we've clapped multiple times, but it's just I'm so joyful being able to see um, the family starting to get back together. And we'll receive, uh, I guess, the base team later on this week, and then uh, John in a in a couple weeks. <clears throat> and so, um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> So we've been talking about uh, our godliness series, <clears throat> and we've been talking about, last week we talked about faithfulness, which is, uh, we talked about the honesty, we talked about the dependability and the loyalty, how, uh, we, ref- how we reflect faithfulness through some of these things, um, and this week we, uh, it brings us to none other than that of uh, peace. Or um, as the world is properly coining the term, uh, mental health. Um, but we're not. But we're, we're, we don't use that vernacular. We use uh, biblical language because we all we know that God has created the world and everything in it. And so, um, because that's really what it is. Is like when people talk about things like uh, mental health, they either say, "Oh, you're mentally healthy," or "You're not mentally healthy." What does that mean? Well, if you're mentally healthy, then you have some sort of inner peace. If you're not mentally healthy then it's not peaceful, right? And so um, millions, maybe billions are spent on uh, peace each and every single year. We have things like professional counselors and therapists. Diplomats uh, do their best to retain peace between uh, countries or uh, states. And court systems are more jam-packed than ever uh, with um, juries trying to figure peaceful uh, resolve in cases and things like these. And even whole religions are based and constructed around peace like, uh, like Buddhism or, or Hinduism at which they try to uh, maintain that almost at all costs, even if it means getting rid of your emotions. <clears throat> but um, our God is called the, the God of peace and he's referenced that several times in the New Testament. And there's uh, three fold peace that we're going to be talking about and they all work together and they all can be fragmented um, but they build on one another as well and so the first one is, is, is peace with God. Um, the second one is peace with ourselves or that inner peace and then the third one is peace with other people and so um, We'll go ahead and move right into it because there's a lot to talk about on this one. But uh, peace of peace with God, the first is first and foremost in the lineup. Uh, Romans five one says, "Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ." And so um, we have peace with God because we're justified by the faith that Jesus gives us. And so um, before, and we we need to look at. Uh, God and our peace with him in kind of a before and after state. So there's the before state, before we know Christ, and then there's the after state, after we know Christ. And so before Christ, this is a, a, a really interesting verse. It says Isaiah 57, 20 through 21, it says, but the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up refuse and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. There is no peace for the wicked. So we're going to iron this out real quick. Quick caveat. Maybe we don't think about this. Maybe uh, not many people know it. But true inner peace, a peacefulness of uh, self, 
can only be accessed by, uh, it's inaccessible to the unbeliever. They, they, cannot have, they cannot have peace. Why? Because peace was created by God, it emanates from God, and so it can only come from God. If they don't get it from God, then they, can, they will never have it. And so um, you, can go to, you can go to the best, most qualified therapist, wisest therapist, counselor in the entire world, um, they'll, uh, the, but you, they, even if they were to keep going there all the rest of their life, they would never attain the peace that we can have in our own quiet times with the Father or even throughout the day with access to the Holy Spirit. And so God bestows uh, peace and it's found, in the Holy, it's found through the Holy Spirit because this is a, a, a fruit of the Spirit. Now, once we give our lives to Christ and he finds us, we're no longer alone. As it says in Romans 8.28, God works all things for our good. And uh, even more so, um, what's an interesting thing is that he even between, brings peace between us and our enemies. So uh, when, a, when it says, uh, when a man, or Proverbs 16.7, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies at peace with them. Have you ever had uh, like a strange but kind of like decent acquaintance or like really friendly relationship with someone that you have no shared belief, no shared v- values, their mind is totally far from God, they're pushed away, but you can still go to work, you communicate well with them, and you can converse with them, despite having almost like nothing in common, except for maybe what you ate for breakfast that morning. Um, that, that, that retainment of peace is actually God's active work in uh, bringing that peaceful relationship between uh, you and them. And so, the fruit is ultimately uh, the Holy Spirit, and so we have to be able to go to the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not ours it's not our peace, it's the Holy Spirit's peace that is given to us. And so that was kind of just a, a quick uh, summary. Uh, a very, you could go on and on about um, in terms of garnering peace from the Lord. Um, but we'll, we'll quickly get into the second point, which is that which is uh, peace within ourselves or that, that inner peace. And so typically the only time we really seek out peace from God is in when, when we're in a really desperate situation. But uh, and even in our own pride, we can try to handle the little things throughout the day out of our own, um, out of our own strength. And that's, this isn't to be so for the, the Christian. We're, to Every moment we're to rely on Christ. That's what it means to have a relationship. It's not just a quiet time in the morning, but each and every single day throughout work, I'm, I'm praying, I'm, Lord, give me wisdom before this meeting. I pray that it goes well. Um, give me opportunities to share, things like that. Another th- uh, something that can rob our peace is uh, envy, uh, the classic uh, looking at the haves and the have-nots, um, because we're so mind, are, we're anxious and mindful about what we can acquire here on earth and we're looking uh, to others. Any inclination to think like this is sinful. It needs to be rooted out. We also need to teach one another how to root this out, to reason with one another. Be like, hey, do you, is, this, is this a place of envy, envy? Or it looks like it is. Do you, do you agree? Um, and being able to help disciple one another to look more like him. <clears throat> As long as sin is still in this world, uh, the world will never have, there will never be world peace. Um, don't fall into the trap of uh, world peace, world peace. Only Christ will bring world peace when he uh, sorts out the wheat from the chaff in the end. <clears throat> Most recently, uh, I've, I heard this in a coffee shop. I see it on uh, social media at times too, is uh, 
It's interesting, uh, pay attention to how the wor- world uses words or even how they come up with different ways of repackaging and saying different things. But I heard a, a girl in the coffee shop, she said she was talking about with someone about something and she said, oh, I don't do that because of uh, my anxiety uh, flares up. And it's kind of interesting. I, I hear that my uh, attached to it, my anxiety, my trauma, my depression, my mental health, it's almost like they take uh, an ownership of these things and keep them as uh, some sort of pet instead of something to uh, try and uh, get satisfied in the Lord or to, to move onward. Now, when feeling these things is different than actually uh, using it as um, almost like a crutch uh, to go throughout. And um, what they do is they attach their mind to like a past suffering or an experience uh, that keeps them stuck in Satan's lie. They do it because um, there's an excuse. They can use it as an excuse for their actions based on um, a pattern of the past that removes responsibility, blame, accountability from the individual, and it pins it on something, on an experience or something that happened to them that they have no control over. So they're, they're not blaming, uh, they're blaming the experience. Um, they can remain a victim and garner that sympathy uh, from others, and it's familiar because it's a pattern, it's ongoing, and it ultimately robs them of their peace and uh, keeps them from being able to really access everything that Christ has for them through the, through the Holy Spirit. And, and like I said, people get sad, like, I'm sad right now. I'm, I'm worried. And that's, at that point, we don't dwell there. We ask for prayer or we go to prayer ourselves. We sit down, we focus on the Lord, and we say, Lord, I, I don't want to feel this way. I repent for uh, maybe feeling this way. Help me to have uh, eternal perspective. Um, if you're struggling, ask someone to give you a Bible verse on this. Um, you just got to get your mind centered Around the, around the word. But what, what does Christ say about this? He says that you're a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new things have come. So it needs the newer things. You have to behold those. The old patterns, the ways of thinking, association with darkness, sin, partnership with these things, they've been obliterated by the cross, uh, stop going back to them, refuse and run from temptation to hold on to that past self. Um, Christ's peace and his freedom is within grasp. It's right there. Um, another encouraging verse, John sixteen thirty three says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So promise one, you'll have trouble in the world. It says it right there. You will have uh, you will have tribulation, and it can. And but the biggest thing that ties a lot of our trouble and our circumstances together is that of uncertainty, or the unknown. You know, maybe it's a, an unfortunate diagnosis, maybe car troubles, job loss, financial tensions, maybe uh, bodily infirmity. Maybe you wake up not feeling the same as you did the previous night, and all these things is like the big question is, what is going to happen? But his prom- the second promise that he gives on ta- on, uh, attached to that uh, uncertainty and that tribulation is that as he has overcome the world. And so, uh, and with that, Ephesians one twenty two it says, he puts all things in subjection under his feet and it, uh, gave him as head over all things for the church. So he is over all things, 
And he does that for his own glory, and he uses the church in the midst of his glory. And so he, uh, he is over all of creation for the Christian. And so Matthew 10, 29 through 31, it says, Are two sparrows sold for a cent, and not yet one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. And so a lot of these, uh, we've, we've all heard these, um, these verses before, but I'm trying to help you to understand them, to see them in a different light. So why, why is it that we do worry? Well, it's because we don't believe or we forget. We forget that the word of God is true we don't, or we don't believe it in, in that moment. M- many of us can probably say, like, when you're talking, and we, we've even said this in their language, like, I, I, I believe he can deliver me, like, in my, in my mind. Um, a lot of the times we doubt the goodness that he will. Um, a couple of help, two help, more helpful passages uh, with this section um, is that of uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So number one, it says, come to God in prayer right here. Everything by prayer and supplication. So what we need to do is uh, in times of trouble or tribulation, we need to set our minds on that which God has already done. So um, think about his past mercy in your life. Uh, oftentimes, uh, that, that, that our, our own lives and his testimony in our own lives build us, build our faith in that moment where we can say, God, you've done it before and you're going to do it again. Nothing happens to us without God's allowance. Just looking back as what, uh, what was said in that Matthew 10 verse where it says, uh, and not one sparrow will fall from the ground apart from your father. Anything that happens to you in your life is, is that he has allowed it and the end is for his glory and for, and, and for you to be sanctified and have joy in him. And so even though in the moment it doesn't feel good, you can say, God, I don't know what's going on right now. I don't know what's happening. This doesn't feel good. It hurts. It's painful. And I want out. But I know somehow that it is for my good. And, that, and that's, that's the truth. That's the, what we have to come to grips with the reality of. If it wasn't for your good, then he wouldn't allow it because um, it wouldn't bring him glory ultimately to the, uh, through the believer. So the promise is, is that when we come to God in prayer with thanksgiving is not necessarily deliverance from the trouble, but peace within it. And so are you this person that gets so caught up in the trial in the, of the moment that the only thing that you would be satisfied with is, is deliverance? But in reality, the peace of God can be found in that one, in that single moment. And so that's what's to be fought for when we're going through trial and circumstances that we can find peace with God. Now, many of us try, won't settle for anything less than uh, deliverance, but, um, the, but, but, but it is accessible. And the second thing uh, from this uh, Philippians verse is that the peace uh, is, it is, a, it is a mystery. And um, it's not understandable you can't always reason with your own mind or your comprehension. God has full knowledge. He has exhaustive knowledge of everything in all creation. We don't. Even our, even our reasoning um, is fallen, and so that's why we uh, say that we need to rely on the Spirit so much. 
Um, not that we throw out reason, um, but there's a, there's a healthy mix of both. Um, but, but it says right here, in the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. So um, it's not something that we can com- comprehend, and sometimes it can be rather difficult to even um, help disciple someone that's going through something because it's, peace is not something that I can like give someone. I can give them a person a Bible verse and then the Holy Spirit will use that Bible verse, illuminate in their minds and they will get peace from that. Does that make sense? So it's not, my, it's not like my words can uh, bring anyone peace. It's uh, the per- perspective of Christ. It's focus on God. Maybe the Holy Spirit will use uh, different things, different ways to bring uh, peace to different people given the circumstance. So it's a very vast and complex thing and that's why uh, it says that it is a mystery. Um, doesn't mean that we neglect in encouraging one another, but um, there is a there there is a not full understanding of how the peace of God works in the believer. Um, so the second verse, so that was a, a Philippians four. This one is First Peter five <clears throat> seven through nine. It says, "Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you." Be sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to, for someone to devour, but resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. So what is this saying? It says that uh, there is a, there's a spiritual ballot battle and it it's actually can be associated, uh, this can cause the believer great anxiety. That's why it says previously, cast all your anxieties on him. Uh, devil in the Greek means accuser and slanderer here. He accuses man before God, um, but he also accuses God before man. And so I remember when I was in high school, this is when I first was really understanding who God was. I went to church my whole life, but I didn't really become interested in God until I saw people sinning. And it was like, oh, well, that seems kind of fun. I, but I'm held down by, uh, by uh, rules and all these other things uh, with religion. So if uh, religion isn't real, then why not go to all these other things? So I started exploring, uh, came to a knowledge that uh, uh, Christ is uh, true um, through uh, many uh, videos, and I think it was even was being put in me through, pre- through, through the preaching that I was getting uh, throughout my life as well. But I went to, uh, this was after I graduated, I went back to my high school to talk to, after school, to talk to a couple of my teachers because those were, I didn't go to college at the time, I didn't have uh, many other people to talk to about these sorts of things, but I went to my high school chemistry teacher and I was talking to him about God and what he thought about uh, the existence of God uh, and chemistry and evolution and things like that. Um, But what was interesting is eventually after kind of a long conversation, he said, Uh, he said, I can't believe a God and I can't believe a God because I can never forgive God for allowing my brother, my young, my brother who is only a couple years older than me, he died of cancer when I was a teenager and I can never forgive a God that would allow that to happen and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I didn't see it happen and uh, and that was an interesting thing. It got away from the evidence and it became about the heart. That it was. It wasn't about the evidence. It was about um, his own understanding and who of who God was, um, and who, or who he thought that God was. And then I went down to the uh, down down the hallway to uh, Mr. C, and he was a physical science teacher. And I talked to him about it, 
And he goes, yeah, you know, you're absolutely correct. And I was like, what? And he said, yeah, the, uh, remember the uh, first day when we were looking at our textbook and I said that you have to examine uh, the merit and that there's a lot of theories and just because there's theories doesn't actually mean that it's true and so hold uh, any theories in this book lightly. And I was like, yeah, you know, I kind of do remember that. And he said, well, I'm a Christian. I don't believe evolution. They put it in my textbook. I uh, believe in a six-day creation and uh, this is, and I still, I teach science. I love science and my wife homeschools my daughter at home. Two, two, two different uh, science teachers in the same school two totally different uh, views on who Christ is, who the Bible is, the heart matter. And so, um, so yeah, there, there is a, God's always going to, or Satan's always going to try to uh, accuse him like it was with the chemistry teacher. And often it can be even easier in, in the trials, like saying, if God really loved me, he would not have allowed this to happen. Or if God loved me, he would provide a way out of this trying situation. One, these aren't your thoughts, so don't pretend like they are. They're actually Satan's uh, tempting thoughts, and you're just biting into them because Satan is the, is the one that's accusing, and we're partnering. James 4, 7 says what we need to do uh, is resist Satan in, when, uh, when, when those situations come up. And I know it's so funny how, it's so funny how in the moment we can uh, forget that we have an enemy, and we need to remind one another, like, hey, this is ungodly. You're being tempted in these areas. Um, resist Satan. Uh, cling on to what is good uh, with Christ. Um, we can have the best doctrine in the world. We have, and uh, I'm, I'm so uh, happy with the, the doctrines that we have here. Um, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. We need that. But we have to use the doctrine that is given to us to actually fight. And we need to put this into action. So... To summarize, um, we need to uh, take our anxieties uh, to God in thankful prayer, and then we must resist the devil when he slanders God to us uh, to be able to access, to get that inner, that inner peace. <clears throat> so the, we talked about peace with uh, the Lord, talked about peace within. Now comes, the, now comes to peace with um, others, and I'm going to rattle off uh, some quick uh, verses. You can probably go back to them. I'm going to paraphrase a couple of them. Um, Galatians 5:15 uh, says, "But if you, uh, it's a warning. It says, but if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another." Romans 12:18 says, "If possible, uh, be at peace with man as far as it depends on you." Romans 14:19 says, "Pursue." Uh, things which make for peace. Hebrews twelve fourteen. Pursue peace with all men. First Peter three ten through eleven. Um, the one who desires life to love and to see good days, he must seek peace and pursue it. Colossians three fifteen. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And so there's a let pursue as far as it depends on you. Like all this is things that we do, that we take responsibility of. It's not, oh, we're all gonna show up here. We're gonna listen to some awesome messages. We're gonna have a life group and everything's just gonna be peaceful. Like it's just gonna be actively happening. No, we pursue it. We make it happen. We are peacemakers. It's not a, it's not a passive thing. This is not something that just uh, happens because we are, uh, if we are living faithfully, uh, then we would uh, pursue these things. 
And so four steps, uh, well, before I get into the four steps, so uh, there's two understandings of, how, of, of peace, and that's within the body, so peace with other believers, and then there's peace with uh, those that are not believers. And it's kind of funny that the one that we talk more on is, uh, is within the body um, and, and within the family, and because it's actually pretty simple uh, in terms of with unbelievers, but... So four steps uh, to pursuing peace when in conflict with a believer is that we must remember that we're part, that is number one, that we must remember that we're all a part of the same body. And so uh, 1 Corinthians twelve twelve says, for even as the body is one and yet has many members and all members of the body, though there are many, are one body, so also is Christ. The very ones that you may be at odds with or don't have peace with, you belong to them and they belong to you. So um, you're just hurting yourself if there's, if there's no peace there, or if you're not actively pursuing peace in that context. One of the most uh, dishonoring and, and hurtful things that we can do uh, to one another is assume uh, a motive or uh, speculating another person's intentions. Um, it always, at some level, manifests with an eyebrow up, uh, manifests gossip or division at some point. And so um, it's like, oh, this person hates me because they looked at me weird. And it's like, okay, um, did you actually go and talk to them? No, but they, they did this thing. And I was like, okay, well, how do you know that maybe there wasn't like a weird looking stain on the wall behind them and that's what they were confused about. It's like you don't, you don't actually know. And, and if other people come up to you with uh, suspicions um, or um, in the same way, uh, call it out and say, did, do you actually know that or did you go and, and challenge them? Now that's different than if there's like an evidence there like they literally say like, hey, I hate you. <laughs> like that's, that's kind of obvious. You can't like get, you can't, you can't get too much uh, over the head with that. Um, but um, so yeah, we need to be able to um, in a kind and gentle way be able to ask, hey, did you actually clarify that? Are you assuming things? Um, and that'll help us. That, that's, that's the first one. The second one is uh, that we need to be mindful. It's pretty simple that we are a part of Christ's body, is that we are all one together in Christ. We're here for his glory. There's very few things that are worse than Christians quarreling quarreling, uh, amongst one another because it doesn't bring him glory. And when people come in and they they see quarrelsome uh, people that are just at each other's throats all the time. That doesn't do justice to who Christ is, who he's created us to be. It's not holiness. It ruins our witness. The third thing is that uh, we must recognize that the discord often lies uh, entirely or partially with ourselves. We need to take ownership of uh, the areas and have... uh, uh, of these areas and have humility about our own position instead of when we get into a conflict entirely blaming it on on someone else. Um, we're done as a church if uh, we get to a place where we can't humbly admit uh, our wrongs when we're wrong. It, it shows just a lack of the fear of God. Most cases that I've had the pleasure of resolving uh, here, that there's always been something where both sides have been able to own up to something that they did wrong. Like usually... Uh, even if the person that wasn't entirely in the wrong, they probably said something or said it in a way 
uh, in which it was not godly or it wasn't tactful or wasn't kind. And so um, if someone comes to you and they have, and especially if it's multiple believers and they're kind of trying to point something out um, and you don't have the humility and there's merit behind what and evidence behind what some people are saying, um, then, then you're deceived if you think that, uh, that, uh, that everyone else is wrong to narcissistically uh, say that and that multiple brothers and sisters in the face of it. Um, what you're basically saying is that the Holy Spirit and the witness of Christ and all those people is wrong and that you have some sort of access to some special revelation that nobody else does, especially if they're walking closely with you. We need, and then uh, the fourth one is we need to take initiative to restore peace. Jesus says it doesn't make any difference whether or not uh, you have wronged someone or if someone has wronged you, you make every effort to bring about peace. And we know uh, these two verses, Matthew five twenty three through 24, <clears throat> it says, therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Matthew 18, 15 says, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. So you can't always presume what another person is feeling towards you, but you may respect, you may suspect it. Like that's okay. That that is uh, that is uh, discernment is um, a level of suspicion that isn't going into uh, slander or gossip. But what do you do with that? You can't just remain in that spot. It, it would be sinful to remain suspicious. What you need to do is that if you suspect that there's something between you and another person, is that you approach them with humility, and you would say something like, "Hey, um, interactions between us seem um, a little bit off or off-putting." Is there anything that I have done maybe to hurt this relationship or uh, is, there anything, is there anything between us that's keeping us from operating peacefully? We would much rather just say, hey, this is what you're doing and this is what you're saying and you assign that because it makes us, because we're in control, we get to make the statement. This is humbling because you're opening yourself up for correction if there needs to be. But this is how we're supposed to make peace between brothers and sisters. Amen? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, at which point, uh, when, they, when, you bring it, when, when you talk to them, they could say no. Hopefully, that they're, hopefully they're not lying. Then that's on them. Does that make sense? Um, and hopefully, they, maybe they can bring some clarity. Hey, just to clarify, um, I was just having a bad day that day. Sorry, I didn't mean to look at you that way. Um, I honestly didn't have anything against you whatsoever. I was just thinking of something else, uh, and I, I just happened to be looking at you. Um, or they'll, or maybe they'll say like, "Yeah," I'm, uh, or, or they'll say, "Yes," like I, I'm bringing up this concern about our relationship, and then we can talk through and hash that out together. We can forgive one another or bring clarity. Right? It's all about clarification, repentance, taking ownership of you and your heart responsibility. Um. There is uh, forgiveness, there's, there's always forgiveness for these offenses committed uh, against us as long as there is repentance. Um, but it's not always, just a lot of us don't like con- confrontation. And so a lot of us maybe, uh, I can, I've tend to be like this a lot in the past is I'll just say, I forgive him, move on. However, 
that's not always very loving, being in a church that is seeking to be unified as Christ. Um, if the offense uh, threatens their relationship with Christ, or if it threatens the unity and the holiness and the witness of church, then you, one, you have an obligation to actually approach that person um, and confront them with it, with what Christ says. And two, you actually don't love them. You, you, it actually is true love to go and point, point this out because you care about, I, I would hope that all of us would care about each other's relationship with Christ in the room. That's primarily why we're here, right? So unresolved conflict between believers is a sin. Um, we can't tolerate it and we need to strive uh, for unity and handle all these um, interactions between one another so we can better live at peace. So what does it look like in, with unbelievers? Well, it's much uh, easier and may even require more humility. But uh, one thing that I have to mention is that we are very privileged as believers in the sense that we have gospel privilege. We have an eternal relationship with the king of the universe that we're going to spend forever and so whatever happens to us on this side of heaven is minuscule compared to the glory that will be revealed in Christ when we get to spend all of eternity with him. So putting that in perspective, uh, two steps to pursuing peace when it comes when in conflict with an unbeliever. Um, the premier verse on this one is Romans twelve seventeen. It says, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, number one, if we have offended an unbeliever, it is up to us to take steps to restore peace. Why? Because peace comes from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is for the believer and not the unbeliever. And not the unbeliever. I'm very surprised when um, an unbeliever wants to make peace. Probably it's because some sort of uh, selfish motive or gain or retention of status. Um, but true peace uh, is something that we have to initiate with people that we work with, maybe family members, things like that. Um, we, we do what we can to keep the peace, as it mentioned. Um, we can do this by conversating, can do the same thing um, that we, in conversation that we handle with one another. Just don't expect that you can tell them, hey, like, look to God, repent to him. Like they don't, it probably won't go off. It probably won't go over too well. Um, but just understand that if it doesn't go well um, and they don't own up, um, then we may think of, then it's like, okay, there's nothing else that I can do here other than vengeance. Um, but God says, hey, you let it go. Vengeance is mine. And um, we're not, like we're, basically what, the, what God says when he says uh, vengeance is mine, the reason why it's put in this passage is not even that we should pray for judgment upon them. He doesn't, even, he doesn't say uh, then pray for judgment upon these people. Don't cast the fires of heaven down on these people. What we're to be consumed with is winning them over. That's what it says right here. Do not become overcome by evil, overcome evil with good. 
give him a drink of water, you'll heap burning coals on his head. The guilt that an unbeliever has when you are being kind to them, uh, is, and even though you're innocent, um, shows the humility of Christ, and it shows how much different you are than the rest of the world. The rest of the world will pursue any means of vengeance or payback, but when they understand that that true love uh, comes from Christ, then that opens up opportunities to be able to uh, share and converse with them. And so don't be concerned with even praying and asking God for, God for judgment on them. We know this is, this is comfort for us knowing that in the end and even now, he, will, uh, he, will, he isn't acting as judgment now and he will eternally. And this gives us the peace of mind in knowing like, okay, I can, I can leave that to God and I can focus on winning, over, winning them over and uh, loving them in the moment. Does that make sense? And so I'll go ahead and have the, the band come up and we'll go ahead and close out. Uh, we'll go ahead and close out. So um, to summarize, the peace of God must be first. Uh, he's, he, God is our primary goal, our ultimate end. He's the alpha and the omega. Um, peace within ourselves. Uh, peace with inner peace can only be uh, maintained uh, attained and maintained through a uh, repentance and focusing on the eternal and also on Christ's faithfulness. And then finally, we have an obligation uh, to make peace wherever we go, either between one another and if at all possible with other people that don't believe. And so um, thinking and dwelling on these things above and what's to come, that's where we find our peace. It's the long, It's a long-term understanding that this is not our home. How many years we have? 70, 80, 90, maybe if we're lucky. Um, but we're to cling uh, onto, onto what's to come and that'll satisfy and bring us the peace that we need within the trials um, and talking to others uh, with ourselves. How amazing would it be if people walked into this church and they, would, they, they just saw how well that we handled uh, conflict management, how humble we were in making Christ uh, the main focus on everything that is why we're here. That's why I'm here. Um, that's why I stay and remain is because I love the relationship that I have with Christ. I love the accountability that uh, I have between my brothers uh, and sisters in Christ to be able to ask me questions and lead me to him. Um, so, yeah, let's go ahead and pray into that and we can go move forward. <clears throat> yeah, Jesus, thank you for... Um, the peace that you grant us <clears throat> through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, help us to be able to 